1, 2, 1, 3. James chapter 1. I'm just going to read verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. May God bless his word to us this morning. It's great to see you all. Shall we pray as we uh, come to look at God's word this morning? Father God, we thank you that you are with us. And we thank you that you speak to us through your word. And we thank you that as believers you have given us your spirit uh, to grow us into the image of Christ. And I pray that as we uh, look this morning at patience that uh, your spirit will do a work in us growing us, that we may look forward to being with you forever and serving you. In his name we pray. Amen. I wonder, what do you do when your patience runs out? Does that ever happen? No, it doesn't ever happen, does it, surely? What do you do when your patience runs out? What do you do? How do you respond Maybe this is the kind of face you pull, I don't know. That's a photograph of John, actually. But no. Sometimes our patience runs out with people, doesn't it? Sometimes our patience runs out with life. Stuff happens. And I suppose the thing is, we all have a different breaking point. I always thought I was a patient person. Anyone who knows me knows that's not true. But I always thought I was a patient person until the first year of university. I I was a Christian. I was struggling. But I wanted to to kind of uh, be faithful to God in my first year. And I wanted to speak of him and show him to my flatmates. Uh, And most of my flatmates were easy to get on with, actually. But one of them took it kind of, it was his joy to wind me up. He basically just wanted to push my buttons as much as he possibly could to make me just lash out. And so every day, at least, he tried just to to do something to wind me up, whether it be a a little remark, whether he'd just humiliate me in front of people, whether he'd play some kind of practical joke on me. He loved just to try and wind me up. And I always tried to resist, stay calm, try and love him and care for him. You know, it was a bit frustrating, but, you know, I I wanted to love him. And I thought I was quite a patient person. And still one day... I suddenly found myself standing in the hallway with a bruised fist and there was a big hole in the wall. I lost it. He broke me. He was very happy about this, actually. Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, we all have a breaking point, don't we? Whether it's in the car when someone cuts us up and those words just come out of our mouths. Whether it's uh, kind of at home and the kids are just driving us balmy. Or whether it's just something we've been suffering with for a long time, an illness, and we just feel inside of us this resentment growing, this bitterness, this, or just this kind of deciding that nothing matters anymore. Our patience is very limited. And what I want us to see this morning is this. If we want to grow in patience, it's that we need to let the Spirit grow our patience in us as we cling to Him through trials. So as we trust God through trials. 
Let the Spirit grow patience in you as you trust God through trials. So we're in this series thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things we've seen is that these fruits are not separate fruits. They're not kind of little things that we can pick and choose between. But the, this fruit is different aspects of a character that is grown in us by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It is not a, a character that we can produce in ourselves. I can't just decide one day I'm going to be patient. I'm sure you've experienced that. And, and that equally means we, we can't just say, I know the excuse I sometimes use, I just go, well, look, I'm just not a patient person. But the truth is none of us are. It is not something we can produce in ourselves. And so the first thing I want us to do this morning is recognize our own impatience. But to do that, I want us to ask a question, which goes a little bit deeper, which is, why are we impatient? And so I want to go a bit deeper. So I just want you to imagine with me, uh, you're preparing for that great family holiday you've been looking forward to. The car is packed, you get in the car, and you have this iconic scene which looks like this. That's how your family holidays start, right? Yeah? No? Oh. But, but hopefully the journey starts okay. You've got your sweets, you've got your snacks, you've got your distractions. Everything's there, the music's on, everyone's happy, everyone's excited. We're going on holiday. Isn't it great? And then you hit the M5. And the traffic and the temperature starts to rise within you. Uh, but it's okay. We're going on our holidays. Don't worry. Then the sweets run out. And then the music, well, the, the kids in the back, they start to say, I don't like it anymore. Can we change? Can we change? And you're just trying to stay calm. You're half an hour into the journey. There's still three hours to go to get to Scarborough. Why would anyone want to go there? But that's where you're going. And then you hear those, those dreaded words. Are we nearly there yet? Why are you so annoying? But here's the question, that, that, that thing, that word, are we nearly there yet? That is the question. Where does that question come from? Well, it's because there is this desire for the holiday, isn't it? There is a boredom, but there is this desire that they, they arrive at the destination to enjoy their wonderful holiday that they're excited about. There is this anticipation. And so there they are in the car, and they're uncomfortable, and they're bored, and they're hungry. Are we nearly there yet? And so really the context for patience is that we need to see that within all of us there is this inner longing for things to be better. That's why we become impatient. We have this inner longing for things to be better than they are. And there's a sense in which actually it shows that we have a need for God and a desire for heaven. And so we recognize it in these trials, these things that we face, whether they're big things or small things, it's not wrong for longing for them to end. For longing for things to be better. That's the way we're made. We're made for a relationship with God and for, to spend eternity with him. But here's the problem. We live in a world that says, it's all about me and it's all about now. And what happens is this impatience, where does it come from? Well, because our trust in God and our longing for heaven can quickly be replaced with a trust in self and a longing for my desires uh, now, instant gratification. When things don't go my way, what happens? We lash out or we kind of blow up or we hit someone or uh, we shout at someone. 
or when we go through long-suffering trials, we say, this was not my plan for life. And maybe we blame God. Now, here's the thing. I never thought I was an impatient person. I don't tend to lash out. That, that time hitting the wall was a one-off, actually. I learned a lot from that. It hurt for a start. But there is another way, I think, that we show our impatience. Because uh, there's a guy called Tim Keller, and he said this, the opposite of patience is resentment towards God and others. And its counterfeits, its fakes, are cynicism and a lack of care. And I think there's a great, more subtle way that we show our impatience. We kind of have this inner building of resentment or this cynicism. We kind of just think, this is just the re- resigned to the way it's going to be. That person, they're never going to change. What's the point? This situation, it's always going to be like this. Why should I even bother trying anymore to live for God? God doesn't care about these things. I had a friend who said to me, Phil, I can't wait till you have kids because I've never seen you lose your temper before. And actually, he was right. I've many times lost my temper since uh, having a child, but it made me think, actually, maybe I'm a bit more patient, but that's not the case. You see, this week, when I'm preaching on patience, loads of stuff has happened that has tested my patience, and really all it's done is expose me for how sinful I am. So on Thursday, I lost my sermon outline because there was a problem with the internet, and then my poor little daughter's not been very well, so she didn't sleep. Uh, the last few nights, and then yesterday we found we have no hot water, so this morning when I thought, oh, that would be better, well, that wasn't the case, uh, last night I didn't get any sleep, but you know what, I've not found myself angry or lashing out in any of the situations, but I have found myself grumpy and snappy and sulky. You see, it's much more subtle, isn't it? It's much more subtle, but it's equally impatient. I've had this seething resentment that's grown, which means I'm just grumpy at everybody. We're impatient people. And we shouldn't be surprised because that is the world we live in, isn't it? We live in a world of Instagram and instant messaging. Everything now. I want what I want and I want it now. And we get drawn in by it. But there is a great danger of this kind of impatience, which is this, the longer we face trials, the longer we... uh, have difficult situations, whether it be with people or with situations. And the longer we let impatience rule our hearts, the more restless we become, the more resentful we become, the more apathetic we become. We just stop caring. So either we hate everything or we don't care about anything. That's the danger. I wonder which is more your uh, tendency. Do you hate everything? Are you negative about everything or you just stop caring? So then what is true patience? We've seen what impatience is. I know impatience very well. So what's true patience? Well, where do we need to look? We need to look to the character of God and his perfect patience towards sinful people. You see, throughout the Old Testament, we read uh, a number of times this kind of phrase about the Lord. It varies slightly, but it says something like this. This is from Psalm 103. Uh, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
this is kind of the song of the Old Testament, really. See, the Old Testament of this is years and years and years of God's people basically continually uh, getting it wrong. They continually rebel against God. They continually, in their impatience, turn to other things to kind of make life better instead of trusting God. And what does God do with his people? Does he lash out? Does he lose his temper? Does he just give up with them and just stop caring altogether? Does he hold a grudge? No. He shows steadfast love. He is slow to anger. And yes, they do face discipline. Like a father, he, he, he warns them of the consequences of sin, and then they face those consequences. But all along, his desire for them is one of love, to restore them, to preserve them, to show them their need of him. And actually what he does is he withholds his wrath ultimately from them until a time uh, further away. And so in Romans uh, 3, we read this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance or patience, he had left the sins uh, committed beforehand unpunished. You see, we want to know what patience looks like. We need to look at God who through thousands of years was patient with a rebellious people. An unfaithful people. And where does that patience kind of uh, culminate? It it culminates in Jesus. As Jesus entered the world, let's face it, when Jesus entered the world, he he spent time with some pretty frustrating people. There were the Pharisees who, they were the guys who were meant to be excited about Jesus' arrival. And what did they do? They tried to kill him and they, well, they put him on a cross. And then we get the disciples and like, oh man, these guys... They're frustrating. They get stuff wrong all the time. They say stupid things. They don't think things through. And so what does Jesus do for them? Does he lose his rag? Does he hold a grudge? Does he just give up on them and say, look, I've had enough. I've had enough. Find me some other disciples. What does he do for them? He lays down his life. He lays down his life. And he takes the sin of the world on his shoulders. He he deals with the sin that was left unpunished beforehand. God demonstrates his patience as Jesus faces his wrath for our sin. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that perfect patience? And what does Jesus do for us? He secures a relationship with the Father and his patience continues. His patience continues with us, his disciples now, his followers. We keep getting stuff wrong. We we try and live for him, but continually we struggle. But does he give up on us? Does he say, look, I've had enough. It's just one step too far. Can I have some new people, please? No. He sends his spirit to live inside of us. And that verse in James, how does it finish? It says, uh, let perseverance finish his work so that you may become mature and complete. Jesus promises that what he started, he will finish. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, it says in Philippians. And so as he sends his spirit, he is preserving us and preparing us for eternity. 
If we want to know what patience looks like, we need to look to the perfect patience of God. And so here's my little definition of patience. It's not perfect. But here's my go at defining patience. Patience is an ability to face adversity without lashing out or harboring resentment or failing to care, but trusting in the purposes and promises of God and responding in loving obedience. That is Jesus, isn't it? He faces adversity. Oh man, does he face adversity. But he doesn't lash out. He doesn't hold resentment. He doesn't fail to care. But instead, he trusts his father. And even at the cross, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And he responds in loving obedience. Sound, e- sound easy? It sounds impossible, doesn't it? That's the point. It's impossible. And if you don't think it's impossible, try that on three hours of sleep and one hour into a child screaming. Try that after months of illness. Try that in that moment of frustration. It's impossible. But here's the point. It's a supernatural thing that the Spirit grows in us. And yet, the Bible tells us to be patient. The Bible tells us to be patient. Ephesians 4, it tells us to be patient with each other. Is that easy? Romans 12 tells us to be patient through trials. So what then does it look like to grow in patience? If it's not something we can do in ourselves, if it's not something we can produce in ourselves, what does it look like to seek to be patient? It means we need to learn to wait on the Lord. How do we hope to grow in patience? We need to learn to wait on the Lord. Someone said this, patience is a virtue that carries a lot of weight. Sorry, it's a terrible joke. Half of you didn't even get that. But patience by its nature involves waiting, doesn't it? Things aren't here now. Some are just getting the joke. I was warned it was a terrible joke. That's okay. Patience by its nature involves waiting. A number of times, again, through the Old Testament, uh, we kind of hear this idea of waiting for the Lord. Psalm 130 says this, I will wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. What does that mean? And in his word, I put my hope. You see, here's our problem. We think waiting is waste. We associate waiting with waste. So I think of uh, standing in a line. I hate queues. Everyone, anyone knows me or knows I hate queues. We think waiting is this kind of inactivity, this kind of boring thing we have to do. It's an inefficiency. But when the Bible talks about waiting, it talks about waiting as an opportunity for faith and growth. Waiting is not inactivity, but it's about an activity of bringing ourselves before the Lord in his sovereign control. It's about trusting that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his purposes are greater than our purposes, that his plans are better than our plans, and about holding on to those purposes and promises for eternity. And so it's important that we see again that the the fruit of patience is not just kind of, you know, it's not just a fruit on its own, but it's tied with all the other fruit, isn't it? We don't just pick and choose and say, yep, that's the one I want today. But actually what is true is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, produces in us joy as we realise where we were and where he's brought us and the, the hope we have in him. And as we understand and experience the love of God, 
demonstrated at the cross. And as we experience the peace that he has given us with himself. And it's as we grow in those things that God produces in us patience as well. As we recognize God is in control. That his plans and purposes for our lives are perfect. As he shows us such immense patience because we continually fail to trust him as we should. And in all of that, he prepares us to spend eternity with him in paradise. And so it's through these trials, it's through these times of uh, testing our patience that we grow. It's through these times that we learn to depend on him. And that's why I wanted John to read uh, James uh, 1. We looked at it a few months ago, actually. Um, Let me read those verses again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whether it be people or stuff that's happening, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Guess what that word perseverance also translates as in the Greek? Patience. Let patience. Perseverance or patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One character God wants to grow in us. He wants to grow us into the likeness of Jesus to prepare us to spend eternity with him. His promises are sure. His purposes are good. And so when we go through trials, whether it be someone who's winding us up or whether it be a situation that's awful, It is not a waste of time. It is not just useless time that we could be spent doing better stuff. But it's time that God will use to grow us into the image of Christ as we wait for his return. I always think of it like when we think of waiting, I think we tend to think like waiting to see the doctor. No one wants to see the doctor, do they? It's not a nice wait because you're expecting bad news for a start often. But it's it's a horrible wait. You're in this horrible dark room. There's, the magazines are always way out of date and rubbish. You kind of sit there stressed and worried and you're kind of waiting for the doctor. But it's not like that. The kind of waiting the Bible talks about is more like waiting for a concert that you've been wait, looking forward to for years. You stand in line excited. You're anticipating it. You've spent ages getting ready, uh, dressed in the right way. You've been listening to all the songs and you just can't wait to be at the concerts, to enjoy it. You're eager. As we wait for Jesus, it's not inactivity. It's not longing for something we hope doesn't happen. It's longing for something we're desperately looking forward to. The day when he will return and we will be with him forever, made perfect. And so what does waiting mean? It means actively looking forward to being with him and trusting him and preparing ourselves for him. And so, how do we wait well then? How do we wait well for Jesus' return? What does it mean to uh, wait so that uh, the Spirit might grow patience in us? And I've just got kind of four ways that we wait well. And the first is this, we wait dependently. We wait dependently. We face all kind of stuff, don't we? There was one particular Thursday night when I thought, my wife hasn't been out since she had the baby, so she should go out to church for the craft night. I'd love to have some daddy-daughter time. It'll be so nice. We'll just have giggles and laughs, and then she'll sleep and I'll chill. It'll be great. 
an hour and a half of screaming was not what I anticipated. But here's the thing. I, I was well aware of my complete lack of control in that situation. And my patience very quickly ran out. So where did I turn? Eventually, I was very slow in doing this. But after all this time of getting more and more frustrated, eventually I, I suddenly remembered some advice that I was given, which is, if you get to that point, just put the baby down somewhere where she's safe, walk out of the room, take some breaths, and go back in. And so what did I do at that point? I put the baby down, I walked out, and then I said, Lord, help me. I can't do this anymore. We're only five minutes in. <laughs> I turned to God. And as I did that, though, I was suddenly aware. It, it, it wasn't suddenly easy, but God suddenly showed me how sinful I was. And I was like, thanks, Lord. But I suddenly realized I'm not in control, and that's okay. And I took some breaths. I trusted the Lord, and I said, actually, if this is an hour and a half of screaming or whatever it is, that's okay. And I walked back in, I picked my daughter up, and then she smiled at me. It was wonderful, and then she cried again. <laughs> but I can't do it on my own. What does it mean to wait? We need to wait dependently on God. We need to trust him through trials. One of the main ways that God grows us is through the trials that we face. That's what James is talking about. We need to wait dependently. Resting on his grace for every moment of the day. Remembering that through it, he is preparing us for eternity. Remembering that through it, he is being patient with our rebellious hearts again and again and again. Let's wait dependently. Secondly, let's wait expectantly. We want to grow in patience. Is that our desire? We should expect to face trials. That's part of the expectation of every kind. But as we cling to Jesus, as we trust him through them, as we depend on him, we should also expect him to do work in us. That's what uh, James 1 talks about. We should wait expectantly, expecting that as we bear through trials, as we trust him through trials, he will grow us in patience. We may not realize at the time. He will prepare us day by day. He will make us more like Jesus day by day. So let's wait expectantly. He will teach us things about ourselves and our need for him that we never knew before. This week, there have been a number of trials, as I've said. And one of the things I have learned is I'm nowhere near as patient as I thought I was. But I've also learned that God is in control in the little details more than I ever realized before. So let's wait expectantly. Trusting that he will show us his goodness, show us where we need him through these trials. Thirdly, we need to wait obediently. So I don't know about you when someone winds me up or when I'm just sitting in the car and I'm in a traffic jam or when I'm going through kind of illness, my default response is not to long to obey Jesus all the time. When someone winds me up, I'm more likely to want to punch them. When, someone, when I'm sitting in that traffic jam, I'm more likely just to want to scream and shout. What does it mean to wait for Jesus and depend on Jesus? It means looking to obey him through those trials. Those trials are an opportunity for obedience. My wife helpfully said, uh, showed, talked about uh, 
waiting and waiters. What do waiters do? They serve us, don't they? That is their job. And they would be rubbish waiters if, they, if their waiting on us meant they went outside and just sat there and did nothing. Or if they just refused because they had slightly awkward customers. But that's a good example for it, isn't it? What is our role as we wait for Jesus? It's to serve him. As we wait on the Lord. How do we wait well? We serve him with everything with God. As we depend on him, we ask him, Lord, show me how in this time, in this moment, I can serve you. Lord, in this moment, in this time, how can I serve that person who's frustrating me? Wait well. Let's wait dependently. Let's wait expectantly. Let's wait obediently. Let's finally, let's wait together. God has put us together as a family to grow together, hasn't he? And in some ways, that's because one of the best ways to test our patience and grow us in patience is to put us with each other. But it's also because we need companions along the way. People who are difficult together, but looking to the King of Kings together. Standing in a queue is always better when you're with some friends. They remind you of why you're waiting so that you don't walk out the queue. They remind you what you're waiting for. They spur you on. They keep you going. Why do we gather Sunday by Sunday? Why do we gather week by week in our life groups? Why do we have a, a men's reading group? Why do we go to conferences together? Because we need to learn to wait together. To show each other Jesus and say, look, he, he is the goal. He is the one we're looking forward to spending eternity with. Don't give up now. Today, yes, today is a hard day. Today, you feel like just walking away, but tomorrow will be better. Jesus is here. Jesus is still at work in your life. Today isn't a waste of time because God will use it to grow you. Let's wait on the Lord and trust that as we do that, he'll grow his impatience. Let's wait dependently. Let's wait expectantly. Let's wait obediently. And let's wait together looking forward together to the day when he will return and take us home to the place that he has prepared. And there will no, be no more frustration and no more waiting. Let's pray. Father God, we recognize our own impatience. We recognize that there is a sense in which you have made us to long for a relationship with you and long for eternity. But we're so sorry that that longing turns into our own selfish desires and instant gratification. We're so impatient, but Lord, you are perfectly patient. We praise you and thank you for your patience with us that led Jesus to the cross. And we thank you that you are continually patient with us. That through our trials, through the things that we face, uh, through uh, adversity, as we trust you, you grow us into the image of Christ. And so, Lord, grow us in patience. 
Help us to fix our eyes on heaven. Help us to look to the Lord Jesus and his perfect plans and purposes. And help us, uh, as we trust him, to wait on him well. Depending on him, expecting him to do big things in our lives. Waiting in obedience to him. And waiting together, spurring each other on. Lord, we ask preservers and preparers for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.